Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. Now, when we talk about fundraising, we often refer to how we're raising the money, the sponsored swim, the direct debit, the legacy gift, maybe, um, or even the challenge event where fundraisers are climbing Mount Kilimanjaro for our chosen charity. All great stories and great things we like talking about, of course. But when it comes to the more difficult conversations around fundraising, it often centres around costs and the cost of fundraising. Anyone that has ever worked for charity and the charity sector knows the challenge of explaining the need for fundraising costs. Why are fundraisers paid, for example? It's a question that I've heard plenty of times. Um, So why is fundraising expenditure such a dirty word and should we even be calling it that? How can charities change the culture of investment in fundraising and why should they? And what do charities risk if they don't invest in fundraising? Well, answering all of these questions and more is our guest in this episode, Cathy Roddy. Here's the interview. Enjoy. I'm here with yes. contributor to the show, Cathy Roddy. Welcome back to Charity Chat, Cathy. Hello. Nice to see you again. Lovely Thank to see you for having you. me. So today we're going to be talking about investment in fundraising. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that there's, there's a... Uh, I'm sure most fundraisers out there will have heard, you know, are you a volunteer? And being asked about, you know, um, whether they're a volunteer, whether they get paid. Uh, There seems sometimes to be a suggestion that fundraisers shouldn't be paid or Mm -hmm. should be volunteers. And I know from my own experience that sometimes it does feel you have to be a little bit defensive of the fact that you are paid as a fundraiser and that that money has to be spent on fundraising in order to raise more. Yes, absolutely. So is that a common thing, do you think, are charities having to kind of respond to those kind of questions a lot? Yes, I think so. Um, One of the things that has happened is that fundraising tends to get lumped in with this horrible term, overhead costs. Um, It's not seen as anything different. The charity money seems to be divided into two pots. The money that goes to the calls, in inverted commas, and then there's everything else which is regarded as, as overhead. And that's very unhelpful. It's certainly true that fundraising expenditure I don't like that term. Fundraising expenditure is a controversial topic. Uh, And so let me begin with a very controversial statement, which is there is no such thing as fundraising expenditure. I say this on my courses when I'm delivering training and people look at me (laughs) blankly um, and I repeat it. And it's the one thing I tell them to write down. There is no such thing as fundraising expenditure. There is only fundraising investment. The only reason a charity puts money into its fundraising function is because it's going to get more out than it put in. Mm. And that is the quintessential distinction and, and characteristic of um, investment. Yeah. When you spend money on something, you're never going to see that money again. If you put money into fundraising, the whole point of doing it is you get more out than you put in. <laughs> Flippantly, I often say, you know, if you get less money out than you put in, that's fun losing, and that's not the business we're in. <laughs> Um, And so it is investment, not expenditure. So this idea that fundraising is somehow an overhead cost Mm. is completely wrong. And charities will go off in completely the wrong direction if they regard it as a cost rather than investment. That's a very interesting point. Because I suppose there's there's a much more um, positive connotation to investment as well in terms of, in most people's minds, 
yes. you know, that you're investing for the future, you're investing in fundraising. Fundraising is, um, in, for a lot of cases, I imagine what's required in order Absolutely. to have a future. Yes, it's totally about sustainability. Absolutely. Whenever I give, um, I like to, when I deliver my training courses, I like to teach by analogy. And the analogy I use here is that imagine you're, um, you know, you're a paid person in a, in a job and you get your salary at the end yeah. of each month. And so you have to pay your, your mortgage or your rent, you pay your bills, your food, your travel, etc., etc. You have these things that you have to pay out for your salary. And at the end of each month, let's say you've got £100 left over. And you've got that's your disposable income. You have a whole range of choices around what you're going to do with that money. Mm. So you might decide, you know, I'm going to spend that on cho chocolate or wine or cigarettes. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you might think, actually, I'm going to put that money into my pension. Mm. Now, either way, that £100 has gone. It's no longer sitting there in your bank. It, it, it's gone. You yeah. have disposed of your disposable income. But there's a radical difference between buying chocolate and wine because once you've consumed those things, you're never going to see that money again. Yeah. If you put the money into your pension, the whole point is that that money will grow mm. and you will get more out than you put in. Yeah. And so I say to people, okay, think of those two uh, scenarios. What is fundraising more like? Is it more like spending money on chocolate or is it more like putting money into mm. your pension? Mm. And of course, the answer is it's putting money into the pension. And so that, then you can build on that analogy. The more you, money you put into the, your pension, the more you're going to get out. Likewise, the more you invest in fundraising, the more money you're going to raise. Yeah. So that's a very, very important uh, distinction. Isn't it better to raise a million pounds and spend 500,000 pounds on raising it than it is on raising 100,000 pounds and spending 10,000 pounds on raising it? Because that investment is much less with the, uh, you know, the 10,000 10, to raising 100,000. Yes, but the, the value of raising more by yes. investing more yes. is much higher, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And what charities want to do is raise as much money as possible. I think we've all been, become a bit obsessed with the percentage that should be spent on fundraising. Oh, no, I, uh, and all these yes, things. rather than what is the actual amount of money that's being raised. Mm. And charities usually want to raise as much money as they possibly can. Absolutely. Um, and so it's a diversion to think about, well, you know thinking in terms of those percentages mm. and that's unhelpful. Do we, I want to talk about China Defence Council, have you heard about them? American, aren't That's they? right, is that that's, the group the run by Dan Pelota? Dan Pelota's yes. group, yeah. Yes, have you had much to do with them? I'm not, I mean, we're I still haven't, but I'm a great fan of Dan Pelota and he's, yeah. he's uh, um, TED Talk, which I would advise everybody we, to watch. Uh, this is you introduced me to that as well. I've oh, seen that right. about ten yes. times, and I've similarly shared that so many yes. times. Yes, I tell well. everybody in the charity sector: if you're going into the charity sector, watch this video. You know, watch the TED Talk and show it to your trustees yeah. because it's absolutely brilliant, and he's 100% correct. He makes the argument much more eloquently than I could do that you know you you have to your fundraising is an investment, mm. and if you regard it as a cost you will go off in completely the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So I well, would definitely recommend that to your listeners. Yeah, um, well I think what we'll do is we'll put the Dan Pelota link on the, uh, on the website as well so people yeah, can, can watch that. It's a very good TED talk, isn't it? Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Do so you think the general public, Joe public, most people out there listening to this, understand why charities are investing in fundraising? Do you think there is a, a myth about, you know, that why do we need people paid to fundraise when 
we've got volunteers that have done it for, for decades. You know, historically, you know, it seems that volunteers will do the fundraising themselves. You don't need to pay people to coordinate it or do it, and it's just an overhead. I know we've talked about you know, it's an investment, but do you think there is a, a myth out there that, that absolutely needs to be there is? I don't think we've ever really. What the general public, I, I don't like to make these huge generalisations, but as a general rule, I don't think the general public recognise fundraising as a profession that requires a skill set, training, it's a regulated activity, this would be you know, the fundraising regulator, the um, codes of fundraising practice. The general public just think of fundraising in terms of, oh, well, anybody can do that. Sure. Um, which isn't, well, there are certain types of fundraising that, of course, anybody can do, but you really, charities, to make the most of the, the, the investment they're putting into fundraising, want to get the most out. Mm. And so to do that, you actually need to think very strategically rather than taking an ad hoc approach, well, let's do an event over here and another event over here, and oh, we'll do a bit of a street collection, and you know, in this kind of ad hoc way, you are not going to maximize your income by taking that approach so fundraisers have to think strategically yes. um, which often means moving away from the concept of a direct return on investment mm. and thinking more about relationship building and long-term relationship building so that you might get less money in the short term but the idea is through building the relationships you get more money in the longer term through things like legacies absolutely so that's the approach that needs to be taken and I think that's the general public do not have not thought about it in that way. I mean, to be fair, why, why would they? No, exactly. um, If they're not in the profession, why would they think about that? Um, but I think the media has been very unhelpful, um, as I say, in lumping fundraising with general overheads and mm. perpetuating this myth that therefore it's an expenditure, that it's a cost to the charity uh, rather than an investment. Yeah. And, you know, the public want costs that aren't associated with the direct charitable work organisation to be kept to a minimum. Mm -hmm. And if we go along down that path, that means that we don't invest in fundraising, um, we don't invest enough money in fundraising, and therefore we don't raise very much. So it's totally counterproductive. Absolutely. We'll then have less money for the calls yeah. if we don't invest in fundraising. What I find is that when you do explain it to people, they do get it. They yeah. do suddenly think, oh yeah, of course, of course it's investment. But the, the knee-jerk reaction is, for people that have never come across or never really thought about fundraising for, is that it's an expenditure and it should be kept to a minimum. Mm. But I don't really think that's particularly difficult to overcome. Whenever I talk to anybody uh, and make this distinction and say, you know, fundraising is an investment, they get it. Yeah. So it's not difficult. And my view is that it's part of a fundraiser's role whenever they come into contact with, with anybody to explain that to people mm. because it's not difficult. I suppose, if I'm honest, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because on the, I think the part of the issue, in my view, is is that charities constantly talk about the percentage of every pound they spend on projects, and they and I think mm. I've certainly been I've seen that and been part of it. Um, charities talking about you know we we take 20p we're sorry about this but 20p of your yes. money goes yes. in the fundraising we're so sorry yes. about this yes, yes. and that's again they're kind of they're perpetuating that. Yes, the thing absolutely. about you know it's being neg it's negative money. Yes, you know, it's the stuff we have to take. It's the yes, tax. Yes, but as you say, it's, it's investment. It's, absolutely. It's and I mean, if you, if you if you take go back to the analogy that I gave with the, you know an individual with their salary and how do they spend their disposable income? If you look at the person that spends their money on on leisure activities or the chocolates and the wine etc. Compared to the person that puts it into their pension, you will say, well, the person that puts it into their pension is far wiser mm. than the person that just spends their disposable income. Absolutely. And yet, when we look at charities, we think it's the other way around. 
the charities that are spending money on their beneficiaries, we tend to think, oh, well, that, you know, that's the right approach, rather than those that are actually investing in their future mm. so that they're around yeah. for future beneficiaries. So I can give you an example of a charity, not naming names, but their income had gone down by about 10% over the previous year because they'd lost some statutory funding. Right. So the trustees sat around and thought, well, you know, this is terrible, what are we going to do about this? So they decided to cut their expenditure right across the board, every department, by 10%. Mm. And that meant cutting the fundraising expenditure in inverted commas because they saw it. So, so that meant they made their supporter care officer redundant. Yeah. That's the person who looks after the thanking the donors. A suicide. Downward spiral. Absolutely. And yeah. those are the organisations that disappear into a black hole of their own making, yeah. all because the trustees saw fundraising as an expense, mm. not as an investment. Right. Whereas if your income's been going down, what you would nearly need to say to yourself is, look, actually I need to invest more in fundraising to turn this situation mm. around mm. Um, and save the organisation rather than, than less. It's like if you look at your pension pot and see that that's all, that's not doing very well, I'm not getting enough for when I retire, you need to be putting more money into your pension pot. Yeah, yeah. Not less money into your pension pot. And I wonder if that is a fallacy that we see a lot of, because I know that, for example, with trust fundraising and, and certain companies that I've uh, worked with in fundraising um, capacities, you know, they will only fund charities that are spending X on fundraising. So again, it's part yes. of the puzzle, isn't it? It's yes. how do you change yes. the funder's perception of it? Because otherwise it's quite unfair on maybe arguably new starting out charities that are trying to kickstart their fundraising by investing more yes, and therefore yes. their ratio of fundraising to yes. governance and, and to charitable activities is much different. To well it's one of the reasons why whatever charity I'm working for, I, you know, I'll look at their, their spread of income and where that's coming from, what income streams they have. But I will always say, you know, you need, if you can, I mean it's not always possible, but if you can, you need to develop forms of fundraising that give you unrestricted income and that's usually from individuals yeah. so for example uh, I was until recently a trustee of a, a charity um, and when I was involved I had my head shaved you know I had got people to sponsor oh, yeah, me yeah, my yeah. Shaved. now the people that sponsored me didn't say to me oh uh, the money I'm giving you, you know, here's 50 pounds to have your head by the way um, I only want this spent on the children I don't want it spent on fundraising the individuals sure. that are sponsored do not ask say those kinds of things in fact yeah. it was interesting hardly anyone wanted to know what charity it was like just like oh my god you're having your head shaved here's 50 pounds you're doing it for charity that was it was that was it they didn't want to know necessarily the charity it was for certainly not nobody asked me the well how much does this charity spend on administration or fundraising nobody asked those things so it's, it's so all of that money that I raised I said I want this invested in fundraising and that was used to publish um, and print um, literature fundraising literature no questions asked from the people that, that sponsored me. So right, that's a way okay. to get that initial investment. Yeah. Is really from individuals because they tend not to ask those those kinds of questions. Like, how exactly is my every pound I give going to be kind of broken down? So you know, again, if you put on a, a sponsored uh, or a, a charity event, a concert or something like that, people attending it are going because they want to attend the concert. Mm. They're not look, thinking about well, you know, I've paid twenty pounds for this concert ticket. How much of that is going to the cause as opposed to overheads. Yeah. So that's really the way to get that investment. I've seen um, appeals for uh, obviously, you know, Macmillan nurses and uh, researchers, funding researchers, and funding the project side of yeah. uh, charitable charities, charity activities. Um, do you think it would ever work for a charity to base 
an appeal or a fundraising ask on funding either fundraising team or you know support a care team it wouldn't work now I don't think so no No, because people don't understand it where where it would be interesting where I think it's it's most likely what would be worth trying is in terms of major donor fundraising and finding you know a wealthy individual who has made their money through investing sure because they get the concept of investment right that's a good idea Um, and I think that would be a way that's certainly how I would try and sell that um, as you know you're investing in the future of this organisation and for you know every thousand pounds that you invest in this organisation we can turn that into three thousand pounds by investing it in fundraising so I think somebody that already gets that whole investment mindset that would maybe worth I say may may be worth trying yeah but I don't think at the moment we're ready to take that approach with the general public and I suppose there are examples of I've certainly seen I think some charities I've worked for have done this too where you talk about um, in the impact report or or whatever documents you're you're using to send out to supporters you're talking about um, for every pound invested in fundraising you can raise X yes and I suppose that's quite a good way of looking at looking at investments is it? It is but it's not quite that simple. (laughs) The concept of return on investment is a very important one but it is not the only measure of success Mm. and there are some forms of so-called fundraising that have a very very low return on investment, very low, a lot of community fundraising events for instance but really that's kind of not the point because you've got to look at how much a donor is worth to you over the whole period of their giving not just at the point where you recruit them. Mm. So for example the latest fund ratios that I've seen will tell you that for local community fundraising, the return on investment is about £1.50. So for every pound you invest, you get about £1.50 back. It's very low. It's not worth getting out of bed for if that was simply fundraising. But if you manage to then sign them up to a direct debit or standing order, the return on investment goes up to £6.16. Now it's worth getting out of bed (laughs) to get those. But you can't, you know, so, so you can't just think in isolation about what's the return on investment on this activity. You have to think over the longer term. And of course, if you cultivate the relationship with that donor, they give over a number of years and then they die and leave you a legacy Mm. of 20,000, that's their lifetime value. Even though they might have, you know, come to an event that might even have lost you money as an event, you know, as a whole. So return on investment is an important concept, but it's one of many measures and it's certainly not the only one. If someone's listening to this uh, episode and they're a fundraiser in an organisation and they're thinking, how do I make the case, you know, bearing in mind what we've just said, um, to my chief exec or my director or even the board, if I suppose that the, the tricky thing is, because I understand what you're saying, I, I think that makes absolute sense, but I think the tricky thing is, if you're, you're asking to make a leap of faith, ultimately, aren't you? I mean, is there any way that they can, if, especially if it's a new organisation, mm-hmm. if they haven't got the ability to analyse back the touch points they've had with somebody that's then subsequently left them a legacy, yeah. how do they chart or, or um, kind of illustrate the benefits of um, investing today to potentially mm-hmm. build a relationship mm-hmm. that well, bears yes. fruit in 10 years' time, that, 20 years' that time? That is very difficult. One thing that, um, as I've mentioned already, people don't regard fundraising necessarily as a profession. They don't recognise the skills involved and mm. the, the activities involved and the, the underlying principles. Um, but most boards, if, you, if it were pointed out to them, you, know, you, you don't have expertise in this area, they really ought to be bringing in somebody who has got expertise in the area. I mean, if they were, if they, the board was sitting around not understanding the, spread, the, the spreadsheet that showed them their financial position, somebody, one would hope, would say, we need to bring in somebody to tell us what this means. Yeah. Likewise with fundraising, 
but that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> but that's what needs to happen is for boards to recognise you. Know, we don't have expertise in this area and to bring people in. And that's what I do when I go into charities. Um, what I will try and do to convince boards is A, show them the Dambalota video uh, yeah. because that's so powerful. Um, and it, it, it really makes the case that fundraising is an investment. Um, and then, you know, I, really, somebody needs to kickstart the whole process, which is what I did in my charity. I said, look, I'm going to have my head shaved, but all the money I raised from that through my sponsorship has to be invested in fundraising, otherwise I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I put the condition on oh, how that money will be spent. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and not only that, any money that gets raised subsequently, yeah. I want to have a fundraising reinvestment policy so that you know 50% of what get raised gets raised through that investment has to be reinvested in fundraising until we've raised enough to be able to employ a fundraiser. And that's right, what we did. Okay. And then I just took the step back from the ball because that was the point I wanted to get the charity to. Right, right. But somebody has to put their neck on the line, I think, and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to say that money has to be invested in fundraising. Mm. And you know, I raised 1,500 and it's amazing the amount of literature you can publish with that kind of money. Yeah. Um, and again, one of the, the other things that I did, I, I remember saying to my board that I'd just joined, you know, is there anything else you'd like me to do? And all of them said, we, you know, we don't like public speaking. Yeah, we don't want to do that. It's like, that's fine. I do it every day. Not a problem. I'll do some public speaking. So what have we got on the agenda? <laughs> they said, well, funny enough, um, we've had an invitation from the independent funeral directors annual oh. dinner. They want an after dinner speaker. So I said, fine, I'll go along. And of course, it's a brilliant fit because we're a child bereavement charity. Oh, yeah. They're funeral directors. And the reason for wanting to speak to them, I want our in-memoriam giving leaflet mm. in all of the independent funeral directors in Kent. And that's my ask, and that's what I ask. And they were falling over themselves. Yes, we'll take your leaflet. Really? The money I raised from the head shave paid to print the leaflet, yeah. and then that gets distributed through the funeral directors. And that's your reinvestment, if you like. Right, okay. And then, of course, people will start leaving money to the charity in, in, in memory of somebody instead of yeah. flowers. And so the whole thing then grows exponentially and, and you know as a result that of that. Your, your efforts, when it was a seed that grew this huge. Absolutely. Fundraiser. Yes, it's yeah. the acorn that grows the oak tree, if Absolutely. you like. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and that's what what needs to happen mm. and I think it's it's easier to explain through those kinds of examples yeah you know and people have said to me just last week somebody said well supposing there's nobody to do that I said well you need to go back to your board and frankly if they're not prepared to do a little sponsored event to raise money to kickstart this process for charities on the board of why are they there yeah yeah Absolutely. you know it's not a big deal to have your head shaved or do a sponsored bike ride or a swim or or even a sponsored silence or mm. a, a bait anything you know it doesn't have to be anything um, heroic, like throwing yourself off a high building or a parachute jump, but just as a point of principle, I'm going to do something to raise some seed funding to, to invest in fundraising and grow that function. Brilliant. So yeah, be an investor, raise funds yes, for fundraising. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I um, at the moment, my, my will, uh, when I die, everything that I've got will be left to charity. Mm. And I've specified in my will that the, month, that the charities that I'm leaving the money to have to invest that money in fundraising. Right. I'm probably the only person in the history of the universe <laughs> that's going to do that. But I do believe that will be the best use of my money. Yeah. So for the six or eight charities that I've selected, that will be my acorn. Should charities be looking at 
growing fundraising in a constant way? Or yes. is it? Well, it, that depends on the strategic plan, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. I think there's this, this myth that, you know, grow or die, I think that's nonsense. You decide how big you want to be mm. and you work to get there. And if that's the right size for you, you stay there. Is it delivering your mission? Yes. I suppose if that's, if that's yes. the case. Then Absolutely. That's the is it? And, and of course, the needs of beneficiaries over time may well change. So it doesn't mean that organisations are static. Mm. But fundraising strategy is about, you know, raising enough money to do uh, to raise enough money to do what you say you're going to do in your strategic plan, yeah. which is of course under regular review, um, and building up the infrastructure for fundraising at the same time, so that your your return on investment is improving each time. That you're mm. not just reinventing the wheel and doing the same old fundraising things over and over. You get to a point where you've got a lot of regular donors, where the money is much more predictable. You've yeah. got some major donors supporting you. You're getting you know a, a reliable number of legacies per year. Mm. It's getting to that point. Sustainability mm, seems to be the answer. Absolutely, yeah. yes. For, for those people who are listening who are fundraisers or wanting to go into the fundraising profession, make it your mantra, there is no such thing as fundraising expenditure. And correct yeah. anybody who puts those two words together. And I think that, that sounds like a good kind of piece of PR that charities should be doing to yes. help themselves, but help one another too. And, and yes, maybe start yes. to change the viewpoint of the uh, donors about yes. you know, what is yes. uh, good money and, and bad money. It's changing the conversation. I mean, you know, charities might say, okay, as you, the example you gave, well, um, for every pound you give, 20p goes to fundraising. Yeah. Um, what you might say, well, let's, for the sake of the maths, make it easier, let's say it was 50p, 50p goes to fundraising. Another way of saying exactly the same thing is for every pound you give, we make two pounds. So it's how, yes. you, how you express it. Kathy Roddy, thank you for once again contributing to Charity Chats. My pleasure. So there you go, dear listener. That was Kathy Roddy uh, giving some top tips and uh, explanations, really, uh, to help us and you uh, with the charities that you're working with to deal more effectively with fundraising investment rather than fundraising expenditure. So a big thank you to Cathy Roddy for contributing again. You can hear more from Cathy in our previous episode, episode six of the podcast, where we spoke about ethics in the charity sector. And uh, please do get in touch with us either through our various social media channels or through our website, charitychat.org.uk, to let us know what you thought and if you've got any experiences of challenging uh, boards to uh, spend more money on, on fundraising or anything else relating to the topic that we spoke about. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well if you are interested in becoming a contributor of Charity Chat. Uh, it's a lot of fun, I can guarantee that. There's a growing tribe of us now, uh, both producing the podcast and developing future shows and indeed starring in, in shows as guests. So if you're greedy for knowledge about the charity sector, have a couple of spare hours per month and would like to help charities through learning and information, which is of course what we aim to do, um, then you are a kindred spirit of ours and we would love to hear from you. So please do get in touch again through our website, charitychat.org.uk. You can find all of our contact information and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so it's just left for me to say thank you to Kathy Roddy, our guest, and of course you, dear listener, um, and also, Without forgetting our corporate sponsors, um, Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axamit for beautiful website design. Check it out, charitychat.org.uk. 
RR Yard Photography for the lovely Pro Bono images on our website, and of course Forrester Fools, who have been playing throughout the show, and are going to be playing us out right this moment. So thank you all for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye.